Hi. Oh, so that's me then. That was your so welcome. You missed that. Like I completely missed that. Welcome to Casting Nets. I'm Pastor David Endorf at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And with me are Pastor David Rudat at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Thank you. I was just uh, uh, having a discussion between a triangle and a circle because the triangle was telling the circle, you have no point. And the circle would say, will you come around to something, something or else? <laughs> I'm Pastor Will Harley at St. John's in Maribel. I have no jokes. Just good morning. He has good morning. We're going to be talking about Peeper's essay entitled "The One Great Thought of God," translated by Pastor uh, Jason Oakland, who is currently not a pastor because he's teaching at Wisconsin Lutheran College, and so he has been demoted. Um, but he has oh, his doctorate still... now. He is now the doctor, Jason Oakland. Does, does he have it? Yeah, I think he just got it. Oh, I'm, I'm not giving him that respect. He's got a, I'm going to call him Jason Dale. With, with that being said, we do need a disclaimer that the things that we are saying are not necessarily the views and opinions of our calling church body, nor the synod in which we are a part. Um, they are just the opinions of, of three pastors who are kind of throwing their ideas out there, seeing what's going to stick and, and what should be discussed a little bit more. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by either going into the chat and and being a part of the chat community there, or you can reach us at uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com. Um, you can also talk with us at our respective congregations. We would love to have that conversation with you because it's the beginning of a conversation and not the end. I guarantee that one of us or all of us may offend you as we have our conversations today. I most likely will offend you. Pastor Endorf will probably enlighten you, and Pastor Rudat will keep the two of us from fighting. And so we look forward to all of those things as we have an opportunity to jump into the discussion that has been chosen. So if you don't like it, blame Pastor Endorf. Absolutely. So welcome back. Um, if you got my outline, which I, I sent out this morning, um, in plenty of time for you to read it if you have nothing else going on in your ministry, uh, it starts off, I kind of ignored the introduction and, and his addressing, you know, materialism and, and some earthly philosophy. And he, he gets into the gospel and how the gospel is all about Christ and everything is for Christ. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you want to start us off, Dave? You know, I... I really appreciated that a German living in nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds, someone who was born in eighteen fifty seven, you kind of have your characteristics or your assumptions that they're going to be all about um, 
a, a, like a German. Like they're all about the f- work hard and and logic and no emotion whatsoever. Where there is quite a bit of a focus, especially in the first couple of chapters, on the fact that God created us not just as intellectual beings, but beings that are emotional and also spiritual. And then he says, this is a reflection of the God who created us, who is also emotional and, you know, obviously spiritual because he is the source of all spiritual things. Yeah, I, I would, I would resonate with that, 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 um, well, I, I can't say that August Peeper is my favorite of the Peeper brothers. Um, I mean, that there's a lot of Peeper brothers to, to choose from Francis Peeper. Um, I read a lot of his, um, especially, uh, I was, I was given some of his, um, initial notes and things when he was coming up with his doctrinal books. And, and so I was able to read some of the original stuff that he had put out. Um, and also because of my, my own past, Francis Peeper was more of the, the, the Peeper brother that, um, we kind of gravitated to, but that whole entire family is, is a, a very, um, God-centered, Christ-centered family. They that that whole, all of the brothers were pastors. All of them were intellectuals. All of them thought very, very high, like level, and um, but yet were able to bring things down in a way that that really allowed the the laity to to wrestle with it. Some of the things that I I that being said, some of the things that I I kind of pushed back again uh, against in his paper was the philosophical nature of what he was trying to say. And and not that because I don't like philosophy. I love philosophy. I think that philosophy is just a a joy to, to, to discuss and talk about. But I think sometimes I kind of came back and said, you know, a lot of my members would have said, pastor, just give me the gospel. (laughs) Just, just say what it says and, and, and don't get into the weeds. Um, and I felt that he kind of went into the weeds. Now, logically, I think he he followed a very good logical course, um, especially when he was saying, you know, everything was created for Christ. Um, and then he went into saying, but that doesn't mean that that um, everything came about so that Christ could be glorified, that he's this narcissist. Um, uh, he didn't use those words necessarily, but he was painting that picture. Jesus is not a narcissist that he does all these things so that everybody will focus on him. But, but all these things do focus on him because he is the redeemer of all these things. And, and I, I, I know how he got there and why he needed to get there, but I don't know if he needed to open up that door. Um, because it, it went for a long time. (laughs) And and I think this is where it, As we look at that philosophy in particular, you know, the the problem I've had with it is that, you know, it misses the way the Bible talks about things because it addresses addresses the solution of the problem of sin. You know, why is there sin in the world, you know, by looking at the world as an entirety, you know, whereas the Bible addresses it by looking at the individual, you know, the, you know, because Adam and Eve sinned, there is sin in the world. And and that's what God was thinking of when he created the world. He was thinking of individuals, you know, when he predestined people, you know, in Ephesians 1, in, in Romans 8, he was thinking of each person as an individual. He knew the people. And and so, you know, you have, you have like Anselm, who he talks about, who, who are thinking of everybody 
of the world as a whole and and god is thinking about individuals and so um you know why do we have a world with sin because you're in this world and you're a sinner and loved you and, and god wanted to redeem you and that's what peeper misses in following the philosophy here um and that's what he doesn't talk about. And that's where I would absolutely agree with you. Let's not get sucked into the philosophy here. Um, and I think he comes out of it really well, like you point out, and pointing out that the whole goal is for Christ to be the Redeemer. Right. That, you know, that sin isn't something God created so that he could be a narcissist. Sin is something that... You know, God knew was going to happen because he loved Adam and Eve and he wanted to make Adam and Eve. And his solution was to send Jesus to be the redeemer and to die for their sins. And and so, um, you know, this is that the greatness of that thought of God from eternity is I'm not going to destroy the world and start over. I'm not going to make a different world. I'm not going to. Yes, in Christ, yeah. and and He's going to be the Redeemer, and it's all going to be about Him, and but it's going to be about Him so that He can redeem, so that He can save. It it, it is interesting though, um, because and you were saying, and and I agree with you that that well, there's this there's this double edged sword almost in the, in the way that the scriptures interact with, with the Christian and the individual, because many times the scriptures refer to, to us as the body, right? That, that we are never alone. Um, we are, Christ died for the church. Um, and, and, uh, August Pieper, he, he kind of really jumps on that terminology. Christ died for the church. It's for the church. It's for the body, his body. He redeems his body. Um, he has, has washed it clean. He's sanctified. He's working through it. Um, and, and on that same conjunction on that same thing is, is the, the body is individual parts, right? And we each make up a part of it. And so there's that individual nature of it, that, that kind of Dave, you were talking about, which is the beautiful aspect that, that, that the Lord came for me. He died for me. He he lived for me, and he strengthens me, and he he watches over me and gives to me. Um, and and yet, I want to jump in here for a second. Sure. I'm I'm talking more specifically about that that pre-creation deliberation of God. You know sure. that that when God talks about it, like in Ephesians one or or Romans eight, you know it's focused on the individual. Well, it, it, actually, it actually goes yeah. even more than just an individual. It's all on Christ, isn't it? Right. Exactly. And I was going to say that, that, that he's, he predestined no, no, Christ. No, 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 no. It, it, for specific individuals that he knew about you and yes. that he, and, and so, so it's, it is absolutely Christ's work, but it gets more granular i guess than most people like like anselm take it does that make sense and so it's not about sin in the world it's about christ saving the individual person christ saving you christ saving you know dave rudat christ saving will harley christ saving 
each and that's person. That's the specificness of that's the specificness of the gospel. Um, but yeah. but and I, predestination. I well, and I yeah. I, I kind of would, you know, we we had this whole discussion, uh, Pastor Rudat and I, about predestination. And when you go back and you look at those verses, it's all it really it, it it seems when you lay it out, it's God predestined the way. He predestines the way in Christ. Uh, for the individual, yeah. How are you? How do you, as an individual, come? It is in Christ. What is the, the way? Is Christ? Um, because otherwise, you start running into this 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 uh, competition almost with Calvinism, uh, which, which you're you're fighting. Which is well, then he chose some to not be because he didn't want them personally. And and we don't want to go there. And I'm not saying you are going there. I'm saying those are some of the questions that you start bringing up in your head. But but when you look at Ephesians, you look at Romans, and you look at the the the, the spots where he talks about predestination, it is he predestined the way, he predestined Christ. This is the one to whom you come. You individually. Yes. But it's through him. Not say you're not saying enough about the passages. Because the passages are very clearly talk about the ones he foreknew. In Christ. You know, they very talk Christ. about, yeah, but you have to have both. You can't just talk about Christ and the way. You have to talk about the people he knew. Right, which then brings you back to where, where August talks about it. It's the body. He, he foreknew you in Christ. You are his body. So it, it, this is where, that's why, it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, where you start dealing in this philosophical trap where. And, and that's what I'm trying to get you guys out of is, is ignore lot. the philosophical trap <laughs> is don't get into the philosophy before the creation of the world. You know, God was caring about people and God loved people and he wanted to save individual people. And, and so he made Adam and Eve because he loved Adam and Eve. And that's all we have to say. Right. Uh, but and, then you also have to say, well, he didn't, he, he loved them even before they needed to be saved. Absolutely. Yes. And, and he loved us and he wanted to save us. Um, and, and, and that's where we end it really. And, and so right. he sent Christ into the world. And again, it's one of those things where, where when you try to, and this is with the trap. And I, this is where I felt August kind of got really close. I, I really do feel that mm. he, I think he got really close to, to maybe overstating things in a, in a, in a way where he, he brings up things that you really maybe wouldn't think about, but then after he brought it up, you started thinking about it and he didn't explain itself out of it. Um, where, where he's like, well, everything is created in Christ. Every, everything is created for Christ, but sin wasn't created for Christ because he's not a narcissist that, that he had to have something that he would save us from. But Christ from all eternity was going to save you. And that was the plan that he was going to see. He starts working himself into this, this kind of a circle where you're like, wait a second, but everything is to his glory, but sin wasn't there to be for his glory because he didn't create sin. Sin wasn't his, but, but he uses it for his glory. And so you, you start working yourself into that, that hole. And I like how you're saying it. I like how you're saying it. End it there. Christ loved you, loved you before you needed to be saved, loves you even now that you have to be saved and from all eternity, plan to do it. 
great. And that's coming back to the individual and not the abstract. You know, it wasn't the creation of sin. It was the creation of Adam and Eve. And they sinned. Right. And God loved Adam and Eve. And right. God loves me. And I sin. Right. You know. We know that. I agree. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pastor Ruda, what do you got for us? I do think that uh, this is a good topic to be talking about today because we're looking at the world and what's going on over in Israel, what's going on over there in Ukraine, and we're going, where is God in all of this? What, where are we going to see God's activity? You know, Is God going to save Israel? Is God going to step in and do something? And Peeper's article is written during World War I when there was a, you know, huge atrocities going on, lots of men dying over there in Europe. And he says, we need to be focusing on the one great thought of God, that, that this idea that there is a purpose for creation, and that purpose is Christ and his church. And so, and then he, 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 he like you, were, you guys were saying, where you can't play the what if game, there's not going to be a what if series on, on Disney Plus about what if the world never sinned, what if Adam and Eve never ate from the tree, would Christ become incarnate, uh, would all of those questions are questions that are, are nonsense. Um, what did he call them? The uh, teetotaler or something? Something that started with the letter T. Uh, splitting, no, tuffelei in German, which is something like splitting hairs. Uh, so we, we, we don't engage in that. And the same thing with our confessions in the formula of Concord, uh, when it talks about election, is we only speak of election in terms of our salvation and our redemption we, d- we don't think about uh, election outside of those things. So God choosing, uh, God's choice before the creation of the world is always confined to our redemption. We go outside of that. We go into the hidden will of God, and that's the raw place that we just can't, our minds just can't, can't go there. So for the Christian, the everyday person who is uh, you know, concerned about what's going on today, what, what, what is God doing, what, what's he accomplishing, Peeper brings us back to what is happening inside of our our church walls, and that is we are bringing Christ to our people, that Christ is redeeming his people, Christ is clothing his people, Christ is giving his gifts to his people through the forgiveness of sins and through the sacraments. Yeah, and, and I think that's, I mean, when you're going to boil it down, that was the main thought of the paper, and he he gets to those, and, and I thought it was kind of neat how he, he expands on that, you know, mm-hmm. Christ's uh, or God's, one thought is Christ. God's one thought is Christ redeeming. God's one thought is Christ um, redeeming his church, <laughs> you know, um, and he kind of build. It's like, that's more than one thought. <laughs> He's 58 years old when he writes this. All right. Yeah, you got to cut him some slack. <laughs> so it, it is a good thing. And, and, and I think this is one of the things that we get. I mean, as theologians, I think, um, you know, we want to have I, I know I do. I want to have the deeper conversation. I mean, I, I looked at a lot of things in his paper and I'm like, let's, and I even thought about today until you gave us the outline. Cause I was waiting for the outline because it's unusual <laughs> for me to, to actually receive them. I'm like, I want to see what he's going to. It's not about. unusual for you to receive an outline. It's unusual for me to wait for one. Okay, um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, I was like, you know, to me, I felt really um, engaged when he started talking about the, op- the the ideas of eternity and the ideas of time and the ideas of of what it meant for for Christ to be incarnate and how does that play out? Because I've had those conversations. Um, I know I know 
Pastor Rudat and I have had those conversations, you know, of, of, is it really, uh, can we really say pre-incarnate Christ? Um, when, when we see Christ in the old Testament, how does this all work? We we've had conversations on the sharing of attributes, you know, in the paper, he talks about how the church doesn't get everything, even though it's the body doesn't receive everything from the Lord. And I'm like, is that necessarily always true? Because, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's a giving of God's strength, right? Communicated to the body. So I, I want, I looked at all that and I'm like, Hey, let's talk about some of this stuff. Um, but now you want to just talk about God's great redemptive act. And I feel as if I'm limited. <laughs> Except, I mean, we don't have to follow the outline. Um, I thought it was a good outline. It is a very good outline. I appreciate I that. It, was, it, it had a lot of yeah. thought and had a lot of hard work. I could tell you spent a couple evenings toiling. Um it was a little late. I already had my thoughts, but that's right. You already had your thoughts. Well, I would say that this this would be the whole Christ among his people thing, that, that whole point in the outline. But, but before we get to that one point, I want to just add that when we talk about everything is for Christ and God not being narcissistic, this is something that the world likes to attack God about right now. That you know, that likes to call God narcissistic. That we worship Him because He needs it, but He doesn't need it. We're the ones who need it. You know th that this is something as as Augustine. Augustine, how do we say it? Saint Augustine, Augustine. Is there an agreed upon pronunciation on the podcast? Where is Joel Fred Frederick when we need him? Yeah, says. Um, our hearts wander until they rust in Christ. You know, and so it's, it is about our needs and about our lack because, you know, we are meant to worship God. And, and so him coming among us and him telling us to worship him isn't because of his lack, but it's because of our lack and, and our nature as created beings and his love for us. Yeah. It, it, it brings up the, the, probably that eternal question, right. Of is gratitude, is gratitude narcissistic? Um, you know, when, when you think about response for someone who has given a gift, um, a person gives a gift without the intention necessarily of return of a thanks, but is gratitude filling a narcissistic expression in the person of the giver. You know, like if your grandparents um, bring a gift for you and they set it down under the tree for Christmas and you open up that gift and it's what you've always asked for, for that year at least. And um, you turn and you, you either call or if they're there, you, you give them a hug. Did they give that gift to you so that you would fill that need of they wanted to be valuable or did that need or what they, that need that they filled is just who they are. And so they filled it because that's who they are and your gratitude flowed from it, which is icing on the cake. Right. And, and I think <clears throat> that's what we're talking about with our Lord. He, he is a provider. He is uh, a, the redeemer, the savior. He is um, the, the one who loves his creation and preserves his creation 
And then when he steps back and he says, gratitude should flow from this because that's, that's the natural reaction, right? The natural reaction is gratitude and thanks. And when it doesn't, he says, this is what it should have been. And when we read that, we start thinking in our head, well, he must be narcissist. He, he, he must be these things because he's asking for it. And he's like, I'm not asking for it. I'm saying this, this is what should, this is the fruit of what should have been. <laughs> and, and that's because in our heads, we can't differentiate between God and a person. You yeah. know, in our, our heads, we can't understand how, we can't understand divine aseity. You know, that God really doesn't need anything because we're not, we have no concept of what it would be like to not need anything. Right. You know, I need thanks. I need encouragement. I need those things. And so what's it like for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is completely sufficient in and of himself to not need thanks or encouragement or support? I, I don't get it. Or need your voice because the rocks would cry out. Or your hands, because he can use anything he wants to fulfill his purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But God is, is just fundamentally different from us. Right. And, and so when he encourages us to be thankful, it's because he looks at us and he says, Sin is stupid, and, and and I don't want you to live a life of being ungrateful and miserable and selfish because you're going to ruin it and, and ruin your life. I want you to live a life of thankfulness and peace and joy, and, and you're going to be much better off that way because that's what I, I meant you to be. And, right. and that's what—and otherwise you're going to be separating yourself from me, and I love you. And I want to spend eternity with you. And I died for you. Um, and, and coming to understand that great thought of God that Peeper is talking about takes, you know, more than a lifetime. It does. And it takes the Holy Spirit, which is the, the work and the means of grace. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. And, 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 I think you're right. Um, you know, I have heard and read a bunch of papers recently. I don't know if you guys um, follow Jordan Peterson or, or things like that or have heard of him. He's uh, I've heard of um, him, yes. Yeah, he's a psychologist who 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 deals a lot with um, you know, the inter <laughs> intersection of the psyche and things like that and how it fits. And he he I, I wouldn't necessarily call him a Christian. I, I don't think he he knows the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior, but he does talk about religion. And and one of the things he does talk about is is the fact that, um, and like one of our viewers had said, from the sinful perspective, everything that we hear coming into our our minds from somebody who wants to help us be better automatically assumes they must be a narcissist that are demanding something from us for their own benefit. And so he, he kinda, he kinda has this, this idea and, and he says it in a lot of deeper thoughts than I will ever have. Um, but he, he kind of has this idea. He says that is our interpretation, right? Our interpretation through the filters that we have as sinful people, that anytime somebody corrects us, anytime somebody uh, uh, um, uh, tries to give us encouragement, anytime somebody tries to, to help us along the way, they must want something 
from it. And that is, and, and so it's the automatic assumption of narcissism, automatic assumption of, of, of they want to return. Yeah. I, I used as a sermon introduction once that my catechism students must think I really want to read a lot of sermon summaries. And the reality is I don't, I, I do not because they, they are humbling. Um, yeah, they are. Because how many of us are like that too, right? How many of us are, are um, we live in a world and we live in a society where, where I will do something for you because I want something in return. That's just how yeah. it is. It, it, it's, it is, it is what we are. And, mm-hmm. and that's not how we're supposed to be. That's not the way that God intended it to be or wants us to be. Um, and it is what he gives back to us in the means of grace as we are brought into his body. But we still struggle with, with that. And so let's get get on to that um, Christ among us, the unity with his people, because I, I think this is the that next step of, you know, the gospel is more than just, you know, your sins are forgiven, you're not going to get punished. But it is about that renewal of the relationship. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Yeah. And, and can I just can I throw out there? And I want to I'm I want to leave time for Pastor Ruda because he has awesome comments about this and in previous conversations that we've had. But can I just throw out that that I don't know and I'm not a hundred percent settled on this. So please don't don't take this for what it is. I'm still thinking about it myself. The gainus mitosoticum, the the transmission of the of of the glory um, into into the the f- human nature of Christ. Right. Um, I. I am trying to wrap my head around it. I don't think that is necessarily limited to the incarnate Christ. I think it trickles down into the body of Christ, the church. In 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 I'm not saying in full ways, but in limited ways. Um I would refer back to the strength that that Christ gives, the love that we express, um the grace that is ours, um the righteousness that is ours, the robe which we wear. Um I, I, I'm, I'm still, like I said, struggling with, with some of that, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I wanted to throw that out there that, that, that when we say Christ is among us, you know, he is, he is transmitting what he is to us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. Right. In him, we might be that righteousness. Um, we are, the, we are his body. Pastor Rudet, what you got? Well, um, I did like that section on Christ being the head and we are the the church. I did realize that that would be, in some ways, a very offensive talk uh, conversation to have today. When you when you're we're living in a world where the culture says that husbands and wife are are the same and that uh, the the headship isn't uh, isn't a, an exclusive thing for the males in the in the relationship. And I did appreciate how he did not bring in the culture of his time when it comes to what does it mean to be ahead that he is just imagining and talking about how his lot is her lot uh, as Christ is. So also is his church. I think that's on page uh, 223 where he talks about the two, uh, two forces that are in the union of church and his and Christ and his church. One is that his lot is their lot. So uh, there's this inseparable connection between um 
Christ and his church, and then also the spiritual wedding, that this is something that, uh, um, let's, let's see. Yeah, anyway, so into regards to Will's uh, topic about the attributes of Christ, I'm, I'm not sure if there is uh, anything to push back against that, other than the fact that we don't become gods, that we don't become like Christ, that now all of a sudden we can... Um, uh, heal on command. I mean, the disciples and the apostles certainly did, um, but that was a, t- a testament pointing back to the fact that the one that they're preaching about is the is God, the one that was killed and then rose again and ascended into heaven is the one that's backing these guys. So you can see in the early church those communications of that attributes. So, And I do like how everything he talks about where everything comes from Christ. The Spirit descends on Christ, now goes to the church. So everything is filtered through Christ to the church. So I like that concept. I like that thought just to think about all of these uh, concepts. I think when we've talked about uh, in, in worship, when we talk about what does it mean to love? What does it mean to, to be patient? What does it mean to be self-disciplined? These are not like um, alien concepts that are foreign to God, but these are actually just things that describe God. They're not uh, a concept, an ideal that God is striving towards. This is who God is. God is love. He isn't, uh, love isn't some independent concept of him that he, he has some, act, some characteristics of. No, he is uh, love as t- defined in the Bible. So if, if we're going to be talking about Christians loving one another, should they not then also get that from the source? Well, yeah, and that's and I, a flow. I think when it comes to being like God, that, you know, it's good to keep in mind what's important to God. You know, what's important to God is, you know, being patient and merciful and forgiving. And and what does he tell the church? Whatever you forgive here on earth will be forgiven in heaven, you know. And so we get to do the things God does. We get to to distribute his body and blood as part of the church. We get to forgive one another of our sins. We get to baptism. We get to baptism people. We get to baptize people. And, and so you know, we are renewed in the, the image and the likeness of God. Um, and, and so I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it the 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 genus majesteticum whatever i wasn't a latin track waster um but you know that that certainly is the the image of god that's renewed in us in the way that god values his image in, in what god may puts as being important you know not in raining down fire from heaven not in you know works of of, of power but in forgiveness and grace and and that's what's really divine and holy and that's what we should value that we we don't because we're sinners well and and um and katie she she made a comment on on this on the slide where the analogy of of it is christ who is working through us right is it is his divine qualities that are filtering through us as as pastor rudat had said that comes through him into the church. And that's 100% correct. You know, as the pastor stands before the congregation and he uses the keys and he forgives, and and what does the Lord say? Um, when you forgive uh, another, it is as if I 
have forgiven them. So he is standing there and he is forgiving through us. It is his forgiveness that is flowing through us. And and the patience that we have and the, and the self-control that we have is Christ's self-control um, being filtered into us from, you know, the head coming down um, and, and giving those things to us. And I think there's this, that beautiful idea. Um, it was uh, Pastor Michael Berg who um, he didn't coin this phrase at all. I, I don't think that he wrote a book about it. Um, uh, on his book of vocation, he says, the mask of God, um, where, where he says, you know, every time that we are out serving someone, every time that we are, we are in the process of living our life, it is Christ who's wearing us as a mask and serving them through us, right? He's doing this work. Um, and that's the beauty of the church. There's the, and then bringing it back to the, the, the start of the conversation, there's the individual aspect of it. Christ is working through you and in you and with you and for you. And then there's the the corporate aspect of it. And Christ is working in the church and for the church and with the church. And, and he doesn't want you to be alone because he not only wants you to be with him, but he wants you to be with other brothers and sisters who are going to support you and walk with you. And, 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 and so there's this beautiful aspect of the body being the picture, um, yes, you know, the body is, is nurtured each individual part and it, and it's valued. I don't want to stub my toe. I'm going to protect my toes. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, to, you know, hurt any part of myself, but I also, when I eat, I don't say, well, okay, this food is only going to go, we're avoiding the stomach now. It's big enough. I'm, I'm going to put this food into, to, you know, my shoulder muscles or it just, it spreads to it all and it, and it, and it furnishes all. And, and, and so there's this beautiful, and, and God's main thought and his one main thought is Christ redeeming the body, filtering the body, feeding the body of which you are a part and you gain all of that individually, but you're not alone. And, and there's a beauty yeah. in not being alone. And I, I kind of think sometimes if, if I ever get to name a church, it's going to be Christ and Children Lutheran Church because God wants to work with us. And how amazing is that? Because, I mean, I got to say, there's times I don't want to work with me and and I know me. So, but God does. Yeah. Um, and, and wants not and, only and, to work with you, but work alongside of you. Yes. And that, that's kind of what I meant by work with me. But yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I do. I do appreciate this whole conversation of Christ among us, because what are we always, and this is on from pages 20, 225 in the, in the uh, essay, what are we always tending to focus on the rubbish of the world? Like all the things, like what are the things of this world that are going to make me happy? What are the things of this world that are concern me? Even, as he's he's even saying we're we're concerned more about the uh the organization of the church rather than what the church is supposed to do and uh or and you can see that in a larger congregation they're focused on the and you know keeping all of the the gears of the engine moving but this is this church this this church whether it's big or small is about the gospel is about christ and what he has done to redeem the church and and uh um, that God's one great thought that this Christ should then also be revealed to the world in word and in sacrament. Uh, and I think that 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 we can skip ahead to the that 
I think we can skip that middle set or that one portion there to that section he ends with about the means of grace, that, that that's what you need. And that's all you need is the means of grace. The word is, is all you need to accomplish that. Yeah. Cause he did kind of go on a little bit of a 58 year old rant. He like, did. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We, we got to get on our knees. We got to do this and we got to do that. And you go, wait a minute, August, you had us. <laughs> you, you put a butt after the gospel, August. What are you doing? But you know, it, it, this is one of those things, and 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 we're dealing that in another book. Um, so in our in our uh, pastoral study in our area here, I know Pastor Rudot and I and another brother of ours, we're going through um the the blessings of weekly communion. And you think about it, and it's like you know, from from the from the creation of the church, the worship of the temple. Um, through the or the tabernacle to the temple, then into into what we have at, preserved for us, um, it is always word and sacrament. It is it's not just word, and it's not just sacrament. It is word and sacrament, um, and and so we have this this beautiful self. I don't want to say self-retention, but it's the, it's this beautiful uh, um, tool instrument that God gives to us, not only to grow the church, but to preserve the church, not only to, to encourage the individual, but to sanctify the individual, to keep that individual holy. And, and throughout time, we've lost that. I mean, I mean, throughout time, we've lost that. Um, we see so many times um you know, the, 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 the content nature of all I need is God's word. Let me just read God's word. Well, if all you needed was just God's word in life, he would not have given the sacraments, but sometimes you need the hug. Sometimes you need the physicality of, of God there with you in his body and blood and bread and wine. Sometimes you need to, to feel the water dripping down your head to know that you have been put to death with Christ and raised to new life and anointed in him. You need those things. He, God, God in his infinite wisdom knew his church would need to have him rip open heaven and touch your life. And so he gives it. And so we live in, a, we live in this world now where it's like, well, all you need is the word. But then why did he give the sacraments? And why does it? Why do, would, go ahead. I would push back a little bit there and say, you know, the the church has been messing up on this for for two thousand years, and, and yet God has still preserved it. That um, true. You know, this is the amazing thing about you know God and His church and the means of grace being enough. You know, and so I'll. I'll throw this out here. I had a um, uh, had a member join just recently, and and he came from uh, a very non-sacramentarian church, and yet when we started talking about baptism and communion, it was still very much body and blood, bread and wine washes away our sins, pours out his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And it's, you know, you, you know what the pastor was standing up there saying, and it's like none of it made an impression. And, and, and that's what God has been doing for 2000 years, because he's God, and he works through his word and, and his Holy Spirit saves us. And, and that's what we're thankful for. 
and we rejoice in that. And so we can look at the world and we can despair because, yeah, there's a bunch of idiots out there preaching. And one of them's in Brooklyn. But um, <laughs> God still saves. And he still wants to be the head of the church, and he is the head of the church. And and that is an awesome thing, because he's the one who died on the cross, and he's the one at the right hand of the Father, and and he gives us the victory. You had a comment on... on... No, I was I had a wrap up comment. So if you have something else, another rabbit hole that you want to go down, or if Dave is something on the outline you want to cover, I I wouldn't say a rabbit hole. I would just say that that it's uh, um, you know, on on the outline that you gave, you ended with the means of grace and how it accomplishes things. And the means of grace is is multifaceted. It's it's sensory. It's audible. It's um, kinetic. It touches all of uh, all of the things that we need for a relationship to be sustained, and um, I, I guess my final thoughts on that whole entire thing, which I thought was beautifully and very very well done, is is the is the idea that that the church doesn't need all of the different like programs, and it and it doesn't need all of the different flashy things, and it doesn't need all of the gimmicks. It it. it it is held together by the grace of God through the means that he has given for it to be held together. And, and there's just a beauty in that, um, that it will remain because of them, not because of the programs and not because of the, the flashy gimmicks. That's my comment. So. Dave. And there's silence. I've baffled them with brilliance <laughs> it was bad you didn't miss anything oh come on <laughs> someone said they missed a dad joke i was gonna i was in the middle of typing it and then i realized no i should really be listening to will instead you never do <laughs> i i did appreciate this i i dave i really um can see how you this could be used in your project about talking about law and gospel in the church and whether are we really preaching the gospel to God's people? Because this is a really, I think Peeper did a very good job of reminding us what we are all about. And, get, and, and, and yes, he dabbles in the philosophy. Yes, he tries to, um, to coach it in a little bit in philosophical terms in the beginning of, of the paper. But he does, I feel, he does do a good job of reminding us just how glorious it is that God has this great thought and his, the purpose is is Christ and his church. And every and as we look at everything going on in the world, as we are, are thinking about the uh, uh, goings-on in the Middle East or whether we're thinking about an election and going, you know, where is God in all of this and what is God going to do next and, and trying to figure out what, what's God's next move, uh, he's already told you his playbook. He already has shown you all of the moves that he's going to do, and that is that the gospel would be proclaimed. Sometimes we just say, yeah, I've heard that before. Tell me something new. And Peeper is reminding us, no, this is the good thing. This is the great thought of God, is Christ and his church and how he sustains her through the means of grace, like Will was saying, a means of grace which is multi-sensory. It isn't just an intellectual exercise as you read the Bible, but also there in singing and there in uh, um as you're singing God's praises there in the in the bread and wine and 
as you hear and, and smell and, and touch and, and move and all elevation, move up and down. All, not to say that the gospel is in those things, but just the fact that the, the church is, is sharing in Christ who is in the church in all aspects. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we finishing a show with that? I didn't think that was wrapping up. But... I, I yeah, had nothing else to add. It was great. You should have ended it there. Uh, That's I, right. I think we did, didn't we? <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't play this the music the yet. No music this was played. Was... No graphic. You can edit out. out all of the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Thank you for listening. Let's go to the pre-show. Post-show. Post-show. Post-show.